When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you ready for war? Then bring it on. Not craftmatic like a stripper. When it's out, you throw your cash at it. Hope I don't rat tat it from the hash and grass at it. Welcome to another edition of the WWE Rundown. As you can tell, this is Jason. Troy is not with us this week. He uh, had a little incident this past weekend. He attempted to force fellatio on an aardvark. Needless to say, Troy, our thoughts are with you, and hopefully the reattachment is not rejected, and you will be back with us sooner than we think. Unfortunately, uh, everyone else is either dead or missing or just didn't respond to the text, but... I am here solo to discuss the goings-on in the world of professional wrestling with you. I'm going to attempt to make it somewhat interesting, given that these solo episodes typically, I'm going to be honest with you, suck. Uh, but before we get into talking about WWE, let's talk about the news going around in the world of professional wrestling. And we're going to start off in tribute to our good friend Bruno Tomas with a story coming straight out of NJPW. Uh, as it was announced that Naito will be out of the G1 tournament due to a knee injury. It was announced this morning that the former heavyweight champion of the IWGP, uh, Tatsuya Naito, he had suffered a knee injury during the first match of the G1 Climax against Zack Sabre Jr. No timetable given for his return. He will miss the remainder of the tournament, and his remaining eight bouts will be forfeited. So the men he was scheduled to face will win an automatic two points. Tough break for Naito. Tough break for the tournament. Obviously, those matches that Naito puts on, always fantastic, always barn burners. And uh, hopefully he gets back to the ring soon, gets healthy, and we can see him make a nice little run in NJPW. Now, for those of you who are more stateside, uh, we are going to talk about something related to AEW at the moment because... Brian Danielson, and we talked about this in the past, very classy, opted not to go with the whole fed bad thing that we've heard from a lot of AEW talents, uh, opted not to play the whole woe is me card, uh, and in fact issued a statement today through the Players' Tribune, which if you follow sports is a, typically a place where when a guy leaves a town or a market, he'll go on there and write sort of a thank you to the old town. Well, Brian Danielson took to the Players' Tribune and wrote an article entitled, Thank You, WWE. Uh, it's not too long, so I'm going to run through it in case any of you haven't heard it, because it's a good read. Uh, it starts, Tomorrow night feels like the biggest match of my career. In a lot of ways, it doesn't seem real. Uh, 
It's against a dream opponent in Kenny Omega who I've watched grow and become one of the best wrestlers in the world over the last several years. It's taking place in a dream setting, the first wrestling show at Arthur Ashe Stadium. It's happening in a groundbreaking promotion, AEW, a company that's modernizing wrestling and giving fans their first true alternative in a long time. And it's my first match outside of WWE in over 10 years. It feels like a brand new chapter. I couldn't be more excited. What a world. But if I'm honest, excited is only part of what I'm feeling right now. Life is a way of being a little more complicated than that, you know? So as I approach this moment before the next part of my career gets fully underway, there's something I need to express. In all capital letters, thank you, WWE. Thank you to the incredible superstars with whom I've shared both the ring and the road for Savat Kick Saturdays and locally roasted coffee, for being family when we're away from family, for making me look good when I didn't feel good, for deep conversations and pointless debates, for making me laugh both in the best of times and the worst, for all the small things that make life as a wrestler just a little bit more fun. Thank you to the many people behind the scenes. The crew in WWE is amazing. From the folks operating the cameras to those in catering, from the producers to talent relations. Thank you to the production team who always put together such amazing packages and are in such an, under, uh, such an underappreciated part of the stories we tell. Thank you to everyone involved in creative for accepting me into the group, for sharing with me the lessons you've learned, and for the fun that we had talking about wrestling and non-wrestling subjects alike. It's a difficult job writing and producing WWE television, and I'm constantly blown away by your ability to make a seamless production out of such chaos. Thank you to the big man, who I know hates to be acknowledged. I won't say much, but thank you for the conversations, the life lessons about both what to do and what not to do, and the best hug I've ever received. I wish more people could see you how I do. And last but certainly not least, thank you to the WWE fans. You pushed my career to new heights, heights that I never would have, never would have reached for on my own. Thank you for cheering me enthusiastically into the main event at WrestleMania 30, and thank you for booing me vociferously against Kofi at WrestleMania 35. Thank you for crying with me when I was forced to retire, and thank you for celebrating with me when I was cleared to compete. Thank you for hijacking that show in Seattle, the last time my dad ever got to see me wrestle. He signed his first autograph that night. Buddy Danielson, Daniel Bryan's dad. Thank you for the moments that I will never forget. Moments where I can just close my eyes and feel the goosebumps all over again. I hope you'll continue to follow me in AEW, but I completely understand if you don't. You've given me more than enough, more than I could ever repay. Thank you for all of it. I loved my time in WWE. Needless to say, it changed my life. I met my wife, had unbelievable experiences, and made great friends. Some of you I may see again, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> and I hope that I do. But those last two years have taught us to not take that for granted. So I just wanted to tell you all how much you've meant to me. I'm grateful that you allowed me into your lives and that you came into mine. I'll cherish those memories forever. Thank you for reading. And most of all, thank you for caring. Sincerely, Brian Danielson. Um, not much more to say on that except what an absolute class act Brian Danielson has shown himself to be um, and really sort of puts into perspective the way other people have reacted in the same situation. Uh, so I, I want to give a big hats off to him for that. Uh, it was emotional. You could feel the emotion as you were, re as I was reading it, I should say. Um, and it, it, it felt real. Uh, so big, big ups to Brian Danielson for that. And I am excited for Wednesday night's matchup with Kenny Omega. I think they are going to tear the roof off the place. Not that there is a roof on the place, 
But uh, I think it's the start of a new chapter for Brian Danielson. And as a fan of Brian Danielson and, and a fan of the fact that AEW is, is pushing boundaries and giving guys places to work and trying to build a brand that can compete with WWE, they are not there yet, no matter how bad you want them to be. Um, but as they are building that, I, I certainly hope that everything works out for Brian Danielson. My only issue with Brian Danielson going to AEW was something he mentioned in his original thing that sometimes he felt like Vince babied him a little too much. And players, wrestlers, athletes of any type are always going to feel like they're invincible. And AEW doesn't have that guy because Tony Khan does not have the cachet of Vince McMahon. AEW doesn't have the guy that can go to a Kenny Omega or a Brian Danielson and say, listen, guys, this is a really risky spot. And given your concussion history, Daniel, it's probably not a smart move. So we're just going to cut that that spot out. Um, and I think that I, I know that frustrates Daniel because I know um, I, I've worked around wrestlers long enough to know that they don't want to be told that they can't do a spot. But at the same time you got to think about your quality of life after you're done wrestling. And I think sometimes Vince looks out for the guys who aren't capable uh, emotionally of looking out for themselves in that regard. And I don't know that that guy exists in AEW, and I hope it does. But uh, I, I wish the best for Brian Danielson, but I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little bit frightened of where this story ends. But it is not the biggest story in the week of professional wrestling. There are actually a couple more we're going to touch on. Uh, for those of you, and I have not yet, but for those of you who saw the recent episode of Dark Side of the Ring, the plane ride from hell, uh, it obviously caused quite a stir, particularly the Ric Flair uh, sexual assault allegations. Um, the stewardess claiming that Ric Flair forced her to touch his penis. Uh, he has long denied any wrongdoing and uh, has now released a statement in regards to the airing of the episode and the allegations that have come out of it. The statement reads, and I quote, Every person that I've worked with has said not to post a response, but I've never run from past behaviors before, and I'm not going to start now. I want to clarify a few things. About four years ago, I gave ESPN full access to my life for a 30 for 30 special. They covered taxes, financial issues, adultery, divorces, the passing of my child, and drinking partying at length. Roy Kampf, desperate to matter for anything 15 minutes uh, desperate to matter for another 15 minutes, did an interview about it this morning. When Rory's lips are moving, he's typically lying, but one part of what he said was the God's honest truth. I've never heard that he had forced someone to touch his genitals, he admitted. Everything with Rick that was construed as negative, I tried to address in the 30 for 30. His drinking, his philandering, his adultery, his money problems. There's quite a bit, but never, at least in the people that I spoke to, no one ever brought up that he would force himself on somebody. End quote. I allowed my personal life and the lives of my wife and children to be turned upside down for one reason, whether it's good or bad, even the really bad, the truth has to matter, even in wrestling. My issues have been well documented over my 40-plus year career. The impact of drinking too much, which nearly killed me five years ago, has been told time and time and time again. The reason Rory, or anyone else for that matter, never heard stories of me forcing myself on anyone is simple. It never happened. And that's the end of the quote, or the response, press release, however you want to refer to it. Um... So obviously this whole thing is coming on the heels of the speaking out movement of, of last year. And it's such a hard 
situation because I understand people love Ric Flair and there's a sort of glory that's been attached to, you know, Nation and that lifestyle that Ric Flair leads and Space Mountain and that whole deal that he got over with. And, um, and he was a childhood hero to a lot of people. And those people, uh, when they fall, it hurts. And it's hard for people to, to rationalize. But uh, there is nothing. And, and Ric Flair himself even said, whether you believe this stewardess, this flight attendant or not, and I'm not here to, like I said, I haven't even watched the show yet, but I'm not here to proclaim anyone's guilt or innocence. But whether you believe her or not, there is enough evidence and enough stuff that he openly admits to to understand that Ric Flair was not a good guy. Uh, He did a lot of shitty things in his time. So the notion that maybe he did something shitty while he was drunk that he doesn't remember is not entirely out of the realm of possibility. Um, Of course, Rick's actions and and the story of the um, plane ride from hell did not uh, go without collateral damage as well as Tommy Dreamer, who was in the show, uh, basically attempted to downplay uh, what Rick did as just Rick being Rick. Uh, this brought a ton of heat on Tommy Dreamer, obviously, for sort of blowing aside sexual allegations and uh, sexual assault allegations. And obviously in this particular time in our nation's history, that doesn't go over very well. So Impact has suspended him indefinitely. Uh, we don't know what that means. He has issued a formal apology for his comments. Uh, it would be nice if people just didn't say the dumb shit at first and then they didn't need to issue apologies. Uh, that's something I look forward to getting to a point where that's that's the norm is we just don't say the dumb shit. <sighs> anyway, moving on to what I guess has probably become sort of the story of the week. Actually, you know, before we get there, let's run through one more quick thing. Um, so we're going to talk about the segment probably in a little bit, but... Uh, there was some controversy online today as <laughs> everyone's favorite fuckface, Dave Meltzer, decided to, without research, without confirmation, accept the word of somebody who, quote unquote, said they were there and that 1,500 people left the arena, not their seats, didn't go for a piss break, left the arena during the Alexa Bliss Charlotte Flair segment on Raw. I'm going to talk about the segment, how I felt about it in a little bit, but you could watch that show and recognize that 1,500 people didn't leave. There were crowd shots the entire time all over different sections of the arena as the camera cut back and forth. It was pretty fucking clear to anybody with eyes that 1,500 people didn't leave. And if you needed more confirmation, all you had to do is listen to the crowd chant during the segment. This is what happens all too often with Dave Meltzer is he decides he didn't like something So if there's a report that makes it sound bad, he'll run with it, whether it's true or not. We've seen this time and time again as it relates to AEW stuff or or negative stuff for WWE. You never hear him report negative stuff about AEW, or very little. I mean, he was the last one, if he he ever even commented on the Jimmy Havoc backstage fight. Um, I mean, we've given you enough evidence on this network over the years that Meltzer is, is working everybody, and um, we've talked a lot and Troy at least particularly has talked about a lot, uh, AEW as a cult or AEW fans as a cult. And I don't agree with that. I think fans are fans. There are certainly more extreme fans. There are more extreme WWE fans too. Um, 
But what I do agree with is sort of the cult mentality of the Wrestling Observer um, followers. Because here's the thing. A cult follows false idols, typically one person who convinces everybody that his his way of thinking is the only way, that his way of viewing something is the only way. It's the actual way. Everybody else is lying to them. He's the only one they can trust to tell them the truth. That is the basic premise under which a cult leader achieves power. Explain to me how that's any different than what Dave Meltzer has done with the Wrestling Observer Newsletter for several decades now. He doesn't apologize when he's wrong and unfortunately people continue to follow people continue to pay people continue to hold this guy up as a legitimate and valid news source and until they don't wrestling is going to continue in large part to be a toxic place now it's not all toxic because of dave dave is a part of it dave's a big part of it and his little buddy there brian alvarez but he's not the only part. He's not the only reason. He's certainly not. I mean, we can run up and down stands on Twitter or, or news people trying to make themselves relevant by pat buddying up to Tony Khan and AEW. And I'm not saying Tony Khan's bad. I'm not saying AEW's bad. I enjoy their product. I say that every single week. But to hold them to a standard you do not hold WWE to is unfair. And Troy particularly pointed this one out in our host thread today. Uh, Fightful on Twitter uh, took exception to the segment on Raw this week where Eva Marie body shamed Dewdrop. What he doesn't tell you when he when he's ripping WWE for this segment is that the the negative body shaming came out of the mouth of the shitty heel who then proceeded to get beat and shut the fuck up. That's what that angle is supposed to do. You know, sort of like the angles AEW has done similar to that sort of like ruby riot slut shaming Britt baker on rampage last week for quote-unquote banging a dude in the back is she allowed to yes is, does it does it mean she's a slut no but that was the implication and it was cheered wildly by the fans and not one person that i saw on twitter that supports aew really ripped at him ripped him for it the difference in this segment, in the two segments, Dewdrop got the win, and the shitty heel got her comeuppance. I have a very, very hard time to believing that Ruby Riot's getting her comeuppance and that Britt Baker is not going to win that match. Which I guess actually does work because Ruby, despite being the face, was the one with the shitty line. So maybe that is where they're going with it, but... I'm not sure that's exactly setting the right message either. I don't know. There's a lot to talk about there, and and that's far from the only example I could give you from AEW doing a similar thing, but I'm not here to bash AEW. I'm here to talk about WWE. Uh, I just ask, and and this is a very simple thing. If you want to be critical of WWE, I am absolutely all there for it. I'm critical of WWE a lot. If you listen to last week's NXT 2.0 rundown, I was very, very critical of a product I, I traditionally love. Um, so I have no problem being critical of things when I think they, they deserve to be criticized. And that's all I ask is just hold both companies to the same standard. And I try to do that. But anyway, now moving on to what I thought was, at least to me, the biggest news of the week and sort of came out of nowhere. Uh, as a press release went out this week, and let's see if I can zoom in on this here so I can read the exact press release. 
September 20th, 2021, All Elite Wrestling and the Owen Hart Foundation, a nonprofit charity which provides a vast range of assistance and opportunities to individuals in need across the world, are collaborating to honor the legacy of late wrestler Owen Hart. A beloved figure in, profession, in the professional wrestling community and beyond, this collaboration includes launching the annual Owen Hart Cup Tournament within AEW, which will see the winner receive a cup known as the Owen, as well as a production and distribution of unique and original Owen Hart merchandise, including specified retail goods, as well as upcoming AEW console video, as well as the upcoming AEW console video game. There's a lot more to this, but that's basically it, is that AEW is, is now the spot where you can go and talk about Owen Hart. And Owen Hart's memory will be remembered. Now, I am of two minds on this one. And I know a lot of, if you're an AEW fan, this is fantastic. And as a fan of Owen Hart, and, and somebody who always enjoyed watching him perform, I am glad that his legacy will not remain buried, that it is going to be brought to life, that people in future generations will be able to appreciate what Owen Hart did in the world of professional wrestling. As somebody who has been in the business side of wrestling, this does seem a little slimy to me. It feels a little gross because, first off, AEW, it feels like they're jumping in to a situation that didn't involve them. Owen Hart never wrestled for them. Owen Hart passed away two decades plus before AEW was ever a glimmer in anybody's eyes or a twinge in anybody's pants. That said, I don't know that he should be in your video games. I don't know that he should be releasing AEW-themed action figures of Owen Hart. It just seems like you're trying to capitalize on the tragedy and the fallout of that tragedy. And the fact that you're willing to do that to sort of stick it to WWE. It's just, it's slimy business to me. I'm sorry. And for Martha Hart, you know, she lost her husband and Vince McMahon for his part has a, a longstanding policy. that He's never going to publicly come out against Martha. That's been well established. So she's got a blank check to say whatever she wants about Vince and Vince is never going to respond publicly. And the result of that is that people who watched that Dark Side of the Ring episode about Owen Hart, which only got the side of, of Martha Hart and her family, um, they never heard the other side of the story. They never heard anything to rebut anything that Martha Hart said. And then as a result of that, that becomes the narrative. That becomes the fact in, in you know, public perception when in reality there were a lot of things that if you do a little research on, you can find um, that she said that we're not 100% truthful, that we're not, um, that we're spun, uh, shall we say, in a way to make WWE and Vince McMahon look worse than they probably needed to in that segment. Um, but the problem I have with Martha Hart in particular in this situation is that every time she talked about this situation, she never said she hated WWE. She said she hated wrestling. She specifically talked about wrestling as a whole being the reason her husband is dead. She didn't like wrestling when he was doing the indies in Canada. Now, if you want to tell me that Stampede Wrestling is going to hold an Owen Hart Cup, well, by all means, go for it. That's his family's company. He competed there for, for a while. That's where he came through. Or any indie in Canada, really, I'd be perfectly fine with. But this whole thing feels like Martha is using AEW to get a, a shot at Vince and WWE. And AEW is using Martha 
to get another one up on WWE. Another, hey, here's another unhappy person. We're making them happy again. I mean, you can say that oh, that Triple H did a similar thing when he brought Bruno San Martino back into the fold, but the difference is that Bruno's legacy was written in the company he came back to. Owen's legacy, well, for better or for worse, whether Martha wants to admit it or not, will always be tied to WWE. So AEW just looks like they're attaching themselves. Like, please, please notice us too. And it's just, it's not a good look to me. Like I said, I'm happy he's going to be recognized. I'm happy we're going to hear the name Owen Hart on professional wrestling again. I just, this feels slimy in a lot of different ways to me. Um, But hopefully... It works out for the best, and it's done in at least a classy manner. Um, you know, they showed with the Brody Lee tribute, they can, who was a guy who actually worked for them at the time he passed, uh, that they can do a very classy tribute, and hopefully that that is what they do here. Um, but the motivations are certainly suspect and and not necessarily um, noble, shall we say? But anyway, enough about the news. Let's talk about this week's episodes of WWE wrestling. Uh, I'm going to hit on a couple things that I really wanted to talk about. I'm not going to, like we say, typically we don't. Uh, Normally it's a free forum discussion, which is hard to do with myself. So I'm just going to discuss the things that I found interesting. Um, We'll talk about this the whole week, basically, for the bloodline when we get to the end. Uh, There was some interesting things that happened on SmackDown. Um... Paul Heyman and Caleb Braxton continue to have their will they or won't they fuck segments. Um, Those are always great. But um, for me, probably the highlight to the WWE SmackDown episode this week was the segment between Bianca Belair and I'm sorry, Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch. Um, Bianca had her homecoming segment uh, known anti-masker and conspiracy theorist Kane came out because he's also from Tennessee so I guess we had to bring him on um, to present her with a key to the city, everything like that Um, Becky came out and Becky did a fantastic job of being a shitty heel and really turned the crowd against her which is not as hard to do in the person's hometown when you're talking about them Um, she she said at one point she's not going to win her title back but she got a key which was funny because she had the key to the city. Um, the whole segment, the whole back and forth was great. And I said last week, I'm waiting. I'm waiting to hear all these online journalists take the L on the SummerSlam thing because Becky's a huge heel now and Bianca's more beloved and more over than she ever was going into SummerSlam. So that whole segment, the way they did it, did exactly what it was supposed to do. Now, here's where I do have a bit of an issue. Bianca's hometown, Bianca, they get into a little physicality at the end, as you would expect they would. Um, Becky slipped out as she was going for the KOD, and Becky hits the manhandle slam on Bianca and leaves the ring while Bianca's down. Becky already got over on Bianca at SummerSlam. I would be very surprised if Bianca beats Becky at the pay-per-view. So to me, this was the spot where Bianca gets to shine. This is a spot where you end the show with Bianca standing tall and Becky eats a little shit before she wins at the pay-per-view. I do worry a little bit about 
putting Bianca under a little too much. You know, I understand we want to get Becky over as a heel, and I understand how Vince feels about people going over in their hometown, and that's fine, whatever. But the truth of the matter is, I think for Bianca to be as strong as you want her to be going into that pay-per-view, it would not hurt for her to get a little one-upsmanship on Becky, and I certainly hope that is coming on the next edition of uh, SmackDown and the Go Home episode this Friday before the pay-per-view. Um, we got, finally on SmackDown, the Carmella, Zelina Vega versus Liv Morgan and Tony Storm match that we were denied at Madison Square Garden. And uh, if you were waiting for, for me to say we missed anything at Madison Square Garden, we really didn't. This match was really not a lot, and it ended with a countout because Carmella got her face smashed. So, yeah. And uh, now Carmella and Liv Morgan apparently will have a match at Extreme Rules, which is good. I'm glad Liv Morgan's on a pay-per-view. I just don't know that Carmella is an opponent that's going to allow Liv to shine in the way she should. I guess we'll find that out as we go. But um, (sighs) other than that, it was not a super eventful episode of SmackDown. Um, we didn't hear a ton. We continued Kevin Owens and Happy Corbin. Not much there. Uh, Rick Boog's finisher is called the Boog's Cruise, which I sort of like. However, uh, if you all remember that match from NXT between uh, Tenara Conchi and Santana Garrett. It was Santana Garrett. Um, where they were wrestling in slow motion, that's sort of what Boog's looked like towards the end of that match. So uh, hopefully that's just a little bit of nerves and... Uh, Boogs continues the the tremendous uh, run that he's on in terms of being over with the crowd. So let's move over to Raw, and we're going to talk about all the stuff that went on at Raw. Let's start. We'll end with the biggest one, but let's start with the fact that we've got new women's tag team champions because finally Natalia and Tamina have lost those belts to Nikki A.S.H. and Rhea Ripley. Now this started... Um, with Nikki and Rhea doing a, um, I don't want to say promo because it wasn't really a promo, but doing an, an, a segment regarding Connor's cure in pediatric cancer. And, and it was actually genuine. And Rhea felt real and Rhea felt choked up. And I don't know if it's Nikki's accent, but it, God, it feels like Nikki's reading off a cue card every time. Um, she's trying. I think it's just, I think it's just that the accent makes it sound like that. But. Uh, Rhea definitely came off as very endearing and very real here. Um, I also do wonder if this has if if this title change is a direct result of Tamina making everyone look stupid last week, where Vince got pissed off about it and was just like, "Fuck it, we'll take the titles off of them." Because I mean, let's be real; these titles don't actually mean much in in the world of the WWE, at least not right now. They haven't been made to feel important at all. Um, but congrats to Nikki, who is now a, what, three-time women's tag team champion? Uh, and since becoming Nikki A.S.H. has held two titles, so good on her. Uh, but as we talk about the women, let's move on to the segment that drew all of the attention from Dave Meltzer this week. And by the way, uh, I didn't mention earlier when we were talking about it, but Alexa herself took to it and basically told Meltzer to stop lying. So good on her for just defending herself. Um, so this whole segment, people are shitting on it, and I, I know a lot of people are not fans of this, but here's what I'm going to tell you. I enjoyed the segment. Um, and I enjoyed the segment for a couple reasons. One, Charlotte did a fantastic job being the shitty heel here. And she's, she's really grown in this role. Like it, she's so much better in this as a face. 
Um, but Alexa, too, uh, I thought she did a nice job of sort of coming in and out of the over-the-top supernatural Alexa character, and you saw little glimpses of the old Alexa Bliss, and that was the basic crux of this promo, was Charlotte saying she didn't want to face this spoopy version of Alexa, she wanted to face the old Alexa Bliss. Um, so I thought the way they put that together was actually really cool. I liked the, the premise of the segment, and I thought both women did their part well. Uh, Charlotte ripped the head off the Charlie doll and then tried to rip the head off of Lily, but Alexa ended up leaving her, uh, getting her down and, and continued to hammer and try to fight back. So um, I'm, I'm interested to see how this happens at the pay-per-view. I, I really am. I think we have a lot of potential for this to be an interesting match if they don't go too heavy on the spoopy side. Um, we had uh, a lot of stuff developed here regarding the bloodline. and before, But before we get there, I do want to talk about one other thing that I really enjoyed. Um, we have a new tag team in, in WWE as in, they've decided to put Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo together. Now, we've talked, they've talked in the past on air about how they are cousins. Um, but now they're on the same side. And that was the crux of their feud earlier. But now they're on the same side. And I really dig their look together. I think this could be a very good team. And it was actually a very good match they had with Mansoor and Mustafa Ali. And between these two groups, you have two very interesting tag teams that could do a lot going forward. Unfortunately, I don't know that we're going to have enough, uh, how will you say, credit in the tag team division to take a chance and put the titles on one of these guys and build one of these teams and build them. My guess is they probably put the titles back on the New Day next week. Who knows? Um, but Rated RK Bro doing a great job with them. Don't get me wrong. But I think we need to breathe some fresh life into this tag team division, and I think these two teams might be a way to do that. So I was encouraged by what I saw from them, at least. Um, we got Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler finally squaring off, and we understand why they kept them together so long, because this match was not good, um, not really interesting. Um, they, they did an angle at the end where Shayna won. She knocked her out with the Kirafuda clutch, and here's Nia being shitty because she's supposed to be unconscious to the Kirafuda clutch, and as soon as the referee rings the bell, she sits up and rolls out of the ring. <sighs> this is why people don't like you, Nia. It really is. Um, but Shayna Baszler then goes on to just beat the shit out of her, and apparently they did the angle where she broke her arm. Um, the problem was they kept doing it where Shayna felt bad about it, and that's not Shayna. Shayna is a ruthless killer who doesn't care about hurting people. In fact, enjoys hurting people. So they, they, they took her out of character, and I didn't like that. I think we're on the right path if this is where she's going, where she just beat the shit out of a bigger quote-unquote stronger opponent um i like that but i think we need to stay true to the character that made Shayna baszler a star in nxt which was to let her be a killer now moving on to the biggest story on raw we started with a six-man tag with the new day versus the bloodline and i was all in for this uh you're talking about through two of the biggest groups and, and it's been a while since the new day have had a group with this sort of cachet that could go up against them. I'm, I'm reminded of the promo program they did with the shield a little while ago, uh, which I don't think they actually maximized. I think that could have been better than it was. Um, but this was, this had that sort of similar feel where you had two groups that were so dominant and so on top going head to head. And I actually really enjoyed the match. I thought it was fun. 
Um, but unfortunately, true to WWE form, it was not about this match. It was to use this match to build to another match. Um, and how did they do that, you ask? Well, here's the thing. They had Bobby Lashley come out and attack everyone on the floor. So the first thing he did was spear um, Big E, I believe. Right in front of the referee. No disqualification. Did we change the rules to where you can come out and just beat the shit out of somebody, but as long as you do it on the floor, there's no disqualification? Because I don't remember that ever being a rule. I'm pretty sure I've seen plenty of disqualifications where somebody attacks somebody on the floor. And this is one of the big problems this company has. There is zero fucking continuity from one week to another as to what is or isn't a disqualification because they have to have almost every big match on TV and in a goddamn disqualification or with shenanigans so they forget how they fucking did it last time. It's so frustrating and infuriating as a fan to watch because I feel my intelligence being insulted with every single episode that they offer. <sighs> but that being said, and all that aside, it led us to a main event that featured Bobby Lashley versus Roman Reigns versus Big E. And this was an outstanding main event. You had, and to borrow a phrase from Big E, you had three big meaty men slapping meat. Um, first off, Big E was made to feel like a huge deal in this match, and the big ending was actually protected. He hit it on both Lashley and Reigns, and neither one kicked out of it. They had to be saved by the other. Um, so that was good. Uh, Roman didn't take the, I'm sorry, Big E didn't take the loss here, which I was afraid he would. Uh, instead, Roman wins here. So Roman scored two big wins on SmackDown. On sorry, on Raw for SmackDown, I guess, um, because Survivor Series is the only time that SmackDown and Raw go to battle head-to-head in in ring competition. Uh, but yeah, so so Biggie felt protected. I was worried as to how they were going to handle Week Two after he won the title. And to see that it looked like they did a good job of protecting him and keeping him special. And, and not sort of burying him to Roman. And I don't think Lashley was buried either. There were steel chairs involved. There was a lot of stuff going on in this match. Um, and I thought everybody got a little opportunity to shine. And at the end of the day, uh, Roman pinned Lashley, which I don't really think hurts Lashley because I think Roman's a big enough star that that's not damaging to him. Although lo- him losing two weeks in a row probably isn't necessarily the best look. But, you know, somebody had to lose, and I'm glad it wasn't Big E and it was never going to be Roman. So... Lashley was the obvious choice, and I'm glad we didn't get another disqualification. So I will take this this finish. Um, but if you haven't checked out this main event, if you like hard-hitting physicality, go check this out. There were several This Is Awesome chants. This match was really, really good for a TV match. Um, and this is where I give credit to these guys because they were able to get the crowd in the palm of their hands without doing anything super flashy. With it, just by telling a story in the ring and they did that and they did a fantastic job with it so um, hats off to all three of these guys and uh, they did a great job but I think that's about all I got for this edition of WWE Rundown I apologize for it being so brief but you know when it's just me by myself that's sort of what happens so uh, hopefully we'll have Troy back next week or somebody will be here with me but uh, or I'll be here I don't know I probably won't I have no idea But I want to thank you for being here with me and for listening. And I know I'm sort of rambling here at the end because I don't really know how to close this out by myself other than to say, join us next week where we will smack your ass raw next time. Bye-bye.
You have been listening to a Rundown Wrestling Network production. Please visit rundownwrestling.com for all of our shows, as well as our other special events. Keep it locked there, or subscribe to the Rundown Wrestling Network on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, Stitcher Premium, or anywhere you get your podcast from. Leave us a voice message that we will play on an episode by going to anchor.fm slash rundownwrestling slash message. Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling. You can show us how much you love us by buying us a cup of coffee for just one buck at ko-fi.com slash rundownwrestling. Go to reddit.com slash r slash rundownwrestling. Follow us on Twitter at Rundown Network. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rundownwrestling. Email the show your dick pics and twat shots via rundownwrestling at gmail.com. Or go to Instagram or YouTube and look for Rundown Wrestling. Follow us on Twitch by going to twitch.tv slash rundownwrestling. And you can also follow our host Adam on twitch.tv slash the saleser effect. This has been a Rundown Wrestling Network production.